morning, I'm Daryl Jones, Director of Research at Hedgeye. Welcome to our podcast. If you enjoy this segment, we encourage you to check out the others. Also, if you're new to Hedgeye, you qualify for a special discount on one of our Hedgeye investing products. Email Customer Service Director Matt Moran at mmoran at hedgeye.com. That's M-M-O-R-A-N at hedgeye.com. Welcome to Macro Show for January 29th, 2021. Last trading day of the month. Performance for people. Where will it end? It's going to be interesting to see some of these numbers. Score's going to be on the board, buds. Yeah. Score's going to be on the board. That's why a great game. That's why it's a great game. Anybody can play it. You can compare, compare your score to the best in the world, your friends. And yeah. I, I, have a, I have a strong uh, sense that winning and losing is still going to be what Wall Street's all, always been about. So uh, despite of uh, or in spite of all the whining, there has been winning out there. And again, if you're a winner this month, you're going to take share. That's American capitalism. Let's roll. Top three things this morning in my notebook. Number one, going to hit on commodities. Number two, going to hit on uh, the bond market, which continues to get quad two right. And again, hit on the volatility of it all, which is going to continue today or at least this morning. Uh, first on the commodities market, well, actually, the commodities market, the foreign currency market, and the bond market didn't give a damn about what happened in the long, short hedge fund community of America. So again, just to be clear, the economic conditions haven't changed. You know, people's economic reality, certain individuals or funds, that's changed. But again, the game doesn't care about that. The game's very good at getting rid of the weak and, and, and again, giving more performance points to the strong. And I think that that's what you're going to continue to see here. Corn, for example, who's long corn other than Hedgeye? I, didn't, I haven't seen anybody, really. I mean, we started uh, getting long commodities and agriculture in particular back there when that chart starts in June. Uh, corn, of course, is up another 1.4% this morning. It's up almost 70% back from uh, where we said inflation was going to, going to accelerate. So again, inflation accelerating is crystal clear. You can see it in silver this morning, uh, up another 4.3%. People are saying, well, it's because of this, that, or the other. That's actually because of the gravity. It's the gravity that got them. Don't forget that silver, like Bitcoin, like copper, like corn, they're commodities. Okay. So again, Bitcoin too, that's up this morning. Uh, not, I guess people say, well, it's because of a guy. A guy tweeted. Well, who cares? Like, uh, look at the Bitcoin chart. Like, just show it. Like, who really cares why people need to know um, why things do what they do? If you bought the damn thing at the low end of the risk range, which the Bitcoin tracker that we provided you had you do, you're sitting there just kind of smiling when Elon smiled. You don't have to have that narrative. You don't have to chase. Chasing fire trucks, like my dad's a firefighter for 38 years. A lot of losers do that, right? A lot of crazy people. Like, you, know, you don't want to be those people. You know, you don't want to be chasing. You want to be buying things before the narrative, uh, again, gets people to chase it. So, again, that's important in as much as anything else. How about the bond market? Look at the bond market. Look at a chart of the 10-year yield. What happened this week, uh, again, in the hedge fund community, has nothing to do with, uh, with what the bond market really cares about. So the 10-year yield uh, continues higher, continues to make a series of higher lows and higher highs. It's all the way up to 1.10 this morning. So one of the best short positions that um, you know, competent hedge funds that have a data-driven process to understand uh, where the quads are. If you know you're in quad two, you're shorting long-term treasuries, of course. Uh, you're shorting a lot of different things that are rate sensitive. And you don't have to worry about Wall Street bets. Wall Street bets isn't buying long-term treasuries. No, 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 no. This is my biggest short position, continues to work today. Uh, Media term upside to 115 on the 10-year yield, and we'll see what happens after that. I still think that the 10-year yield uh, over the course of Quad 2, which is in Q1 and Q2 of this year, uh, is going to go around 1.8 to 1.9%, so still plenty of upside uh, for the bond yield and plenty of downside for my favorite short. Uh, what else we got going on for you this morning? Volatility. Uh, implied vol yesterday, if you pop up the implied vol data, uh, was at 109% on spies. Now, if you ever get a triple digit implied vol spike like that again, you know exactly what to do. 
you cover your shorts and you buy with both hands, if your hands are strong, maxis, or not, you just buy, okay? Now today it's less good, okay? And futures are down, actually a little suspicious uh, uh, move on that. There's some pretty thin trading. And institutions really don't want this market to be up one, two, or 3% this month when a lot, of, a lot of people are down a lot, right? I mean, or you're up a lot. I mean, but the, at the end of the day, we'll get through the month end and we'll still have these big, fat implied volatility premiums. Uh, on energy, we're up to a 29% implied vol premium. Uh, that is one of our uh, favorite sectors. I like that more uh, than financials. If you're trying to rank order the top four sectors that we like, I'd actually put uh, energy at the top of the list. We bought industrials at the low of the week uh, and did, did well with that. So that's not uh, number one. Energy, I'll make that number one this morning. Uh, again, volatility in, in energy this week. Oil really didn't move. Again, it's more of what I said. There were things that moved, but it was very local. Uh, and specific and asymmetric, really, associated with the idiosyncratic risks of people and their positioning being either crowded on the long side or consensus on the short side. Uh, and I have, no, I have no problem with that being unwound. Again, we want to make money. We don't want to sit there and make excuses. Those are your top three things. How to decide? One more time. I went through it this morning. Today, Jonesy, we used hindsight bias. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what the hindsight bias is? I know it only too well. Yeah, I'm guilty of that one. Yeah, it, like uh, most, like so, most mistakes, I've made them. Well, you know, we got a lot of baggage, right? <laughs> so, so I'm going to read this one to Jonesy Buds. I'm going to stand across from him, just like That's a like preacher of sorts. <laughs> um, you know, uh, and this is from Annie, so it's more, it's little. He likes. He, he 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 likes women. He's still single. Of course, it's not just you, Jonesy Buds, with your own decisions. It's with you, with other people's decisions, and other people with your decisions. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Isn't that true? Isn't it? And it is also true that having regret really has to do with a bunch of Reddit people telling you you're a dumbass, right? Like, once it's obvious that you screwed up, it's one thing to have me and Jonesy Bud say you should have known better quad two. It's entirely another thing for all the dumbasses to tell you you're the dumbass, right? That's really painful. We even saw some really famous people in, in our business get triggered on that yesterday. Um, it is what it is. You know, by the way, the I was thinking about this last night. <clears throat> you know, because we do the factor table every day, right? You know, to not be short, uh, heavily short in stocks. The factors have been telling us that for three months, right? So, yeah. You know, kind of all came home to roost in GameStop, AMC, and others. But this is not new news, right? It's it's you know something that you know had your quant team been watching it. 100%. You'd seen this percolating. And it's, it's the particular thing that matters. And again, not everyone looks at everything and then notices the particular things. So it's the particular thing that matters at a particular time. So as you can see there on high short interest, you know, the return on a one month basis is up five versus down a half if you're along the high quality compounders. Uh, we got a lot of high quality. Some of it didn't work. Uh, but on a three month basis, you're up 33.6% just being long high short interest. So again, you knew this, of course. Uh, that's easier for people to maybe have some reflection on their process. If you didn't know that, now you know. If you start with your stock picks instead of the macro environment, now you should, you should and can do better. Um, but imagine Reddit started to explain to people factor exposures, asset allocation sector styles and factor exposures within the lens of price, volume, and volatility. Oh, my. And by the way, I champion you Reddit people. Subscribe to Hedgeye. We'll educate you on how to really antagonize people with real information, data, okay? Uh, just imagine look how powerful they'd be if they all used the Hedgeye process. 
Woo! And we do have a lot of them uh, that are saluting us this morning, so thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, record audience here, which is totally cool. We're humbled by that, and, and thanks for joining us. Uh, what else we got going on for you this morning? 3737. Interesting number, uh, if only because the futures tried to get there. So again, at that number, what are you going to do? You're going to feel things or are you going to buy things? Buy things, all right? So we got 1.3% downside versus uh, yesterday's close, and we have 70, uh, uh, 38.97, which would be a new all-time closing high, right? Me love you long time, right? Uh, uh, all-time high, right? So when we see this number, again, that's a probable outcome. It probably won't happen today, but if it happens sometime next week or sometime by the end of February or on Valentine's Day, give your wife a kiss. You're going to have a lot of kisses if that happens and you're buying the damn dip right here, okay? So you got from here today, it's two to one upside versus downside. Now, um, last Friday, you'll all recall that I, there was a lot more downside. There was eight to one downside. That's when the note, morning note came out and said sell signals. I went to three longs, eight shorts, net short. So again, you notice how you can change as the market changes. So again, we're not these yahoos that are running around just like blazingly long all the time. That's absolutely not what happened. This market actually corrected from the top end of the range, and now it can go back to the top end of the range. So that's uh, a super important point to be paying attention to. The most important number this morning in your pin sheet <coughs> is your VIX risk range low of 18.19. That's not a year. Well, it is a year in time. It happened. Uh, but this is a very important target. Okay, first of all, uh, anything with a teen in front of it on volatility is going to absolutely nuke anybody who's shorting the market on, on red days, okay? With these implied vol spikes, which we've already gone through, that's a very important number. It's a new number as of the last two days. Um, again, this is, this is what we make decisions on. It's based on price, volume, volatility. The volatility of volatility sets you free. Again, looking at simple moving averages or, or at the average of things, eh -eh, that doesn't work. It's the particular things at the particular time when it's time to allocate assets um, uh, or not. Uh, what else we got going on? The volume yesterday actually started, so we got to, it's real important in these OODA loops, for those of you that haven't studied um, naval warfare or, you know, air combat, uh, you wouldn't know the Mad Major, uh, but, but John, he sat there and he said, it's, it's an OODA loop. It's observe, orient, decide, and act. Think of any professional athlete or anyone who's a professional uh, trader, risk manager, hedge fund manager. You gotta be good in the OODA loop. So we gotta watch that volume in that OODA loop. It was down 16% yesterday, so it started to tone down a bit. Cause at one point spies were up a full 2%. And I was selling into that. Remember that? So we sold some, we fed some ducks. And now we're gonna have an opportunity, God willing, to buy some stuff back. Uh, it didn't sell everything. But again, that was part of it. Is that the volume started to tone down a little bit on the up move. Uh, it's still up a bunch versus the one month average, but the real capitulation day, uh, from a volume perspective, as you know, because uh, you watched the show that day, uh, was the day before that. All right, what else we got going on? Uh, sectors, everybody's a winner, Jonesy Buds. Look at that. You like that when that happens, right? Yep. Like, you know, a captain stock picker be damned. I mean, you could have bought any sector in the S&P 500 yesterday. One day return for all of it is green. Now, financials led the rally, which I told you was going to happen because bond yields were oversold. And I said, when bond yields were oversold, what did I tell you to do? Oh, back slapping mucker you. That's with an M. Right? At 1.00 on the 10-year, you bought financials and you shorted bonds. It's so easy a mucker can do it, okay? Now, uh, what are you going to do today? Buy more financials? No. When the 10-year yield gets to the top end of the range, you sell some financials and cover some of your long-term treasury shorts as you would, dear sirs and madams. 
I like that. I like that a lot. Cross asset class vol did nothing this week other than what it's been doing since November. Uh, so the move moved up and high yield moved down in terms of high yield spreads. Um, so again, that just tells you again, there were no blow ups in the high yield spread hedge fund community, by the way. No, 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 no. That didn't happen. Actually, the biggest degrossing that we've seen uh, of long books were long short equity books all the way back to 2016. Now, 2016 did involve the high yield crowd. Because 2016, as you'll recall, was when the energy community basically got eviscerated. All of our clients in Houston went away. We, I think we don't have any left. Maybe they're going to come back. Um, do we have any left? No uh, hedge funds. They all in, left. We may have clients in Houston, but the energy, obviously, world got eviscerated. Right. You know, the, <clears throat> at, you know, the buy side of the energy world. Right? Yeah, so that was the low of the economic yeah. cycle, and that's when the last time we had these major drawdowns, because that was back when a lot of people had energy exposure. Yeah. That they I mean, you know, we had, you know, well, First, Kevin Kaiser, then Al Richards, both great analysts, and really there's nobody list to listen to them anymore, <laughs> which was kind of sad. You're going to have to bring the band back. Imagine bringing Kai's you know, back. Well, you might be a little bearish, but... Yeah, well, Kai's has a kid now, right? Oh, it makes you bullish. He, he took down the MLPs. Yeah, that's, great. You know. that's great. Uh, people were a little upset that I mentioned Leon's name yesterday, Cooperman, because uh, I was mentioning Shalove, who evidently is down over 30%. Too bad for Leon Shalove. Um, you know, it's... It's okay to mention names, you know? They chirp at me all the time on Twitter. You know, they use pseudonyms and anonymous tweeters and all that. Yeah, it's okay. It's just like a game, right? If a guy named Leon Shalov chirped Hedgeye, which I could show you the emails, uh, they were actually very rude. Um, when we were getting along GameStop at $14 and something cents, that's just rude. Don't do that next time, Leon. Keep that to yourself. Control yourself. You're a grown man, you know? A grown and underperforming man. Uh, but what I called out yesterday was Leon Cooperman. Because uh, Cooperman was on CNBC and he was kind of crying, he wasn't crying, I mean, he has cried actually on CNBC before, but uh, he, he was basic or, or you know, was eh, pretty close to crying. Uh, Ackman's cried, you know, these guys kind of, the, the book pushers that go to CNBC, we don't need to do that, right? You don't need to do that. Hedge fund managers that need to push their book to make money, that's an entirely different game. It's an old wall game, by the way, that is going away, okay? So you want to push a book. You show the Reddit community a stock that's got trades at three times earnings with 14% short interest, and it's an airline t stock, and it says save on it, or save is the ticker on that. You want to buy that? Buy that on the, op on the open Reddit people. You know, how about DBI, which is another Brian McGoff name? Three times his earnings number, also. Two stocks, three times earnings, also double-digit short interest. Why aren't people just buying these stocks? We're going to teach the people, so that they don't blow themselves up, how to buy things that hedge funds have to cover because they shouldn't be short them. Okay, that's fundamental. I had to tell my wife this this morning. She's like, well, it's getting a little crazy for some of these people. Are you getting worried? <laughs> I said, well, Laura, it's an opportunity to teach them how to be better than these masters of the universe hedge fund guys that need to go on CNBC to pitch their book. And back to the Leon Cooperman thing, Leon Cooperman and Kramer, like they went at us publicly. You can look it up online. They called me very dirty names. You can call me mucker with an F. And I get a little upset if we think the stock's going to zero. And it did, right? It was Leon Cooperman's number one holding, both in his PA and in his fund. Yeah, and he got mad at you. got mad, but you were wrong. It's, so that game's over. It's over. I, I don't know how else to explain that to you. Um, but Well, the power is in the hands of the people now. Right? Yes. And that's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a more efficient market. There's, you know, and, and, you know, frankly, a lot of these hedge funds that we deal with or we don't deal with, they do great work and will have great performance as well. 100%. Um, but the people have power now, and that's a good thing. Yeah, I'm calling out two Leons because they're the ones that were, 
Yeah, you talk about, like, you know, as grown men, you make mistakes. Those are mistakes that they made going after Hedgeye. And they were really bad mistakes, you know? 99% of the people we do business with, by the way, don't do anything like that, you know? Like, fire yeah. us for being right. I mean, and, and by the way, we make a lot of mistakes, too. Oh, my God. I get every mistake I've ever made is timestamped. Actually, I was, I was looking at that um, last night because I was like, what is going to be the next time I get run over? Uh, because, uh, guys, can you guys show the tweet I popped up last night? I showed the four mistakes I've made on the short. See that? So it's a, this is a pretty bad week for hedge funds that are short stuff. My worst mistake, those are my four mistakes. Okay? They're time stamped. I don't think I'm going to put people out of business or myself for that matter by having 1% to 2% losses on a couple shorts, four shorts. Right? Because I had this the experience, let's start with that, and, and again, the risk management tools to say, get the hell out of your shorts. I mean, that's the main reason. Um, not everybody made that decision. I think we should be comfortable with the fact that not everybody shoots the puck at the same time, shoots it the same way, does it the same way. So that's an important thing. Um, these, I, I just got to get, get this number here, uh, Jonesy. The, um, the number on uh, some, of these, some of these shorts, what the heck was it? My God. These, um, I think Drake was sending it to me last night. My eyes are going here, too. Um, man, let me get this. Eyes back. The it's eyes are throwing. Oh, here it is. Um, okay. So I have, <laughs> I have 5,000 5, in terms of time-stamped positions since 2008, this is, this is, yeah, in real-time alerts. 2008 in, in RTA. My girlfriend's proud of this. Let's bring her in. Pink. All right, RTA. So is your wife. This is timestamp 5,642 positions. That's 5,642 times that I could be publicly wrong, embarrassed, and shamed. And I liked it. No hedge fund will ever do that, ever, okay? And I did it for a reason, I wanted to get better. Because the only way you get better is when you have the whole bloody world yelling at you like, you're, like you are the idiot, you know? And, and I think you hedge fund guys that have had a tough week or tough month, you know, grow some you know, thicker skin on here. I've been going through this for 13 years, bro, you know? Yeah, you're going to make some mistakes, by the way. Um, yeah, that, that's what happens. I mean, so at the end of the day, it is what it is. Um, you guys know what our batting average is on those, and they're obviously uh, high. Um, what else do I got going on for you this morning? I just totally went off this, the, the rail here. Um, uh, Asia, big oversold signals in Japan, China, South Korea, all three of those I would buy at the low end of the risk range, which is published, uh, certainly for China. India as well, I would buy some of that. INDA is the ETF for that. Uh, Europe is correcting you know, after getting pretty close to the top end of the range last week. So Spain is actually the biggest loser. It's been for a long, long time, many years, going back to 2017. It's just a dog. There's nothing. There's no growth in the index. And, and again, at the end of the day, it's down 6.5%. So when you think about the scope of a correction, a broader market correction, for those of you that are concerned about it, you know where I think the S&P's downside is, which isn't 6.5%. That has happened in another market, so it's important to pay attention to. Uh, gold's risk range is 1822 to 1874. I covered a bunch of that on red again. Um, I'm going to short it again at 1874. So again, uh, being a little care careful there, because you never know if the Wall Street bet crowd's going to go long GLD. I think they picked silver, which is a good call, because it broke out on an, on, on an intermediate-term trend basis. Silver did. People are asking for the risk range. Uh, you should be asking for the trend signal line. That's the most important quantitative signal that I have. That's 25.62 on silver, looking at spot. Already talked about corn, 10-year yield. 
uh, Bitcoin, et cetera. Let's, uh, oh, earnings update. Uh, for those of you that have forgotten about earnings season, it's a real important thing. Uh, we are starting to show uh, faster growth rates. Again, we've gone from negative earnings growth in the S&P 500 to 4.62% with 171 out of 500 companies reporting. And I'll take some questions. Yeah, and I think that you know that last slide's a good point. Darius actually wrote about it this morning, but this earnings acceleration, especially as we get into Q2, is going to be like epic, substantial, like, epic. It's going to be the biggest one ever. Yeah, and then you yep. have, you know I, I think it's a combination of the top line coming back, good comparisons, but also a lot of these companies have a much better both cost structure and balance sheet, yep. especially in Brian's world. Well, this is the GameStop point, too. I mean, yeah. I, I'd say, uh, for those of you that subscribe to the call where you can listen into our morning meeting, like when Brian said, hey, look, I'm going to move it from best idea long to the bench, still long, um, and I said, well, I'm going to keep it on investing ideas. The difference of opinion there was valuation, one, and two, me using the risk range. The risk range said GameStop's going higher. And then I said to Brian, I said, well, what's the catalyst to be short stock? If valuation is not a catalyst, right. these guys are going to put up two of the biggest rate of change accelerations, pod one, revenue growth, and cash flows that the company has seen in, in the modern times. Okay, So that's the point. Yeah. There is no catalyst. So why do people, are, are they okay with saying Bitcoin and Tesla are worth this, but GameStop can't be worth that? They're just exposures, right? But if you've made them part of your life, like it's like something that you were going to be hating on for the rest of your life, you know, that's different, right? Now, now you're emotionally tied to it. You don't think of it like an exposure, an asset, uh, an asset class, uh, sector exposure, et cetera. All right, let's go to the queue here. We're going to just go down from the top. Um, this is John from London, England. 8% drawdown in cost be Oh, actually, before I get to the question, uh, Dan Holland just hit me. Cit Citroen Research, after 20 years has come out with an announcement this morning and, and said they are no longer doing short research. They've waved the towel. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy, right? Back to the queue. We're not giving up on shorts. <laughs> we're, we're not giving up on exactly. shorts. Exactly. Well, now is even a better time. Uh, so 8% drawdown in cost. Cospi has been costly this week. Initially bought dips up to my 8% position max, but downtrend continued. Was my mistake position sizing or overlooking the continuing DXY higher lows? Is now time to is it now time to reduce the position and, and wait for DX lower low trend? <clears throat> this is the number one question. So I think maybe a lot of people are involved in this or thinking about the dollars. It relates to some of these emerging markets. Yeah, there's nothing that's changed. I mean, to me, I mean, copper at the low end of the risk range, you buy it. Today, the low, low end of the range is right around 353, 354. Yeah. Uh, low end of the risk range. This, on this was actually Cosby. Oh, Cosby. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, Cosby's also... Maybe, maybe I said copper, but yeah. He's, well, both he's, cop... He's, doctor, they're both called doctors. Yeah, yeah. They're called Dr. Cosby, South Korea's stock market index, and uh, copper, doctor, because they're leading indicators. So all they've done is sold off to the loan of the range. And that's it's it's that simple, you know? If there's something bigger going on, you know, that you worry about or you want to go read about, go to zeroedge.com and you can find plenty. Um, there's... Nothing I'm concerned about. Uh, what I'm concerned about, I mentioned, that's the whole point about going through the whole process. So, again, I, I'd be a buyer of copper at the loan of the range, as I have been since June. Okay. This is the uh, number two question. Adam in Harrisburg, PA. Uh, I feel like we had this yesterday, but I'll ask it because it's number two. Can you talk a little bit about XLE and XLF being down with the dollar while oil and treasuries are up? Thanks. Well, what, pre-market? Yeah, I'm not sure. 
I guess free market, but well, yeah. you just want me to talk? Like just talk about it? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's going to the low end of the range, probably. I mean, that's what things do when the market opens down. <laughs> there's nothing. To, there's nothing to talk about there that. Uh, you don't need me to talk to make you feel better, right? I mean, it's, that's not gonna, I'm not here to do that. I'm, I'm here to call out the things that you should do. When you get a loan of the range for WTI, which is $52 square, .oo, it's rarely .oo, because it's a predictive tracking algorithms and models, you know, they get to the cent, to the penny. Um, and XLE, you can see on your pin sheet, at the loan of the range, you'd be buying uh, energy at the loan of the range. Okay, this is uh, Carl from Albuquer Albuquerque, New Mexico, number four question. Morning, Keith. You've mentioned a lesson you learned was to, to go big enough when the time was right. Can you explain how you decide which equity positions to take take to 6%? And quad two with so many good long ideas, how, how do you choose with so many securities at low end the risk range? This is um, interesting because, you know, in this best ideas I run, you can only have 10, you know, 10 ideas. So, you know, you and I talk about sort of your longer list. Mm -hmm. And it's a challenge I have too, you know, it's sort of, you know, you have, what, 20, 25 names maybe? I'm kind of looking at it. But <clears throat> how do you pick, you know, out of that list, you know, which ones you're going to hit the button on? Or yeah, it's a, and, that's a good question. I mean, so I do this every day, right? So see this? See how that thing? See right here? It says XLI overbought, XLF star, XLE buy more. You know, so I, I rank them dynamically and every day relative to where vol is, volatility, the, or the volatility of volatility, and as a function of that, because it drives the risk range, where it is within the risk range. I put a star beside financials. So for example, let me just write down what I have in my notebook. Uh, and I do that every day, every day. I mean, every single day, every single ticker, I write it down. Every single day, you can go back 13 years and audit me. You, and I mean it, uh, go in my office, take all my notebooks and you'll find that I do the same thing every day. It's a pain in the ass sometimes when you got other stuff going on, because the market doesn't care about your pains in your ass. It cares about your discipline and your ability to execute on a repeatable basis the process. So again, I rank order them every day and reorder them every day. And it has nothing to do with what an analyst feels about it or what I feel about it. It has everything to do with where the vol of vol is, the volatility of volatility, and where it is in the risk range. That's it, okay? So again, when I, when I look at that uh, today, uh, actually my biggest position yesterday went back to, in my, in my asset allocation, my full asset allocation will stay with... Uh, Actually, we'll uh, do this one. Go with a little Yale Blue this morning, right? Number one is Eyeball, okay? So Eyeball, why did I get to buy a bunch of Eyeball? Eyeball, first of all, is a fixed income position, so it's going to be one of my biggest positions. Uh, I'm willing to take that position to a 10% position because that's where I max out on fixed income. Equities, as the question pointed out, I max out at 6% per position. Well, why did I make that my biggest position yesterday? First of all, uh, it's been over the course of quad two, it's my, been one of my bigger positions because it's my only fixed income position. Uh, it's because the curve compressed a little bit. Yield curve compresses, eyeball goes down. Now you get a steepening of the curve again and eyeball starts to go back up. So I get bigger in it when it compresses because co compression in the curve is episodic and non-trending. The trend is a steepening curve. Okay, in quad two. So that's why it's number one. When I, when I go down the line on something like, let's, uh, number two is actually uh, MSOS. That's my largest equity position. So MSOS, which is cannabis, uh, had its first major correction to the loan of the range. We also just got the first one in the COSPI, that's why it's a question in the queue. But this one, you know, so I'm willing to go to a four, four to six percent position in this, no problem. I'm, I'm all, already on my way. Number three, if energy was down today, would be right there in the top three, okay? 
So again, that's just rank ordering. What I also um, in the in the top six, like just actually I added uh, semiconductors, uh, SMH. That's new. Uh, number five would be some uh, some kind of a cocktail, uh, India, in particular, um, EWJ uh, or EWY, which is Japan and South Korea, because they got to the low end of the range. So again, it changes every day. Isn't it great to be able to change every day? Then you're not like dogmatically trying to pitch stuff, you know? Like you want to go pitch stuff, then go pitch stuff. But I mean, I'm not a very good pitcher. You should see me pitch. It's very slow. You know, I'm a five foot nine chunky white guy. I mean, it's just not just not gonna not gonna get anybody going. It's not gonna get me anywhere, right? So again, that's what I do. Uh, hopefully that helps. Okay. So no surprise. A few questions on Bitcoin today, um, and just sort of understanding the dynamics of it. Um, this is gonna get the name wrong. Dolev from Israel. Bitcoin has risen quickly in high volume, $79 billion in the last 24 hours versus 65 in the previous 24. Do I understand correctly that this would push up the top or has the potential to push up the top end of the risk range rather quickly? No. There's no, um, there were no words in that question that explain why that, just because he yeah. said, to, to recap Dolev what you said, which is it went up, so should it go up more? Yeah. I mean, no, that's that's ridiculous. Uh, you have a risk range on Bitcoin. What did it do? Top end of the range actually went lower. What happened is that vol came down. Yeah. Volatility came down, so the risk range tightened. That's called a consolidation. So again, at the low end of the range, again, it went up because it went down. Let's start with that. And then it went up more because a bunch of idiots just chase whatever Elon says. All right. So again. You don't have to be an idiot or the bright or the smartest man on earth, which he evidently you know, would probably think. I, I think a lot of people think he is. Maybe he is. I don't know. Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, if you're buying at the loan of the range, you don't have to deal with all that stuff. You're, what you do next, if you buy a bunch at the loan of the range or add it to your position, is you sell some at 37,770, which is lower than where I've sold it before because the top end of the range used to have a 40,000 in front of it and higher. At one point, I think the highest level in the range was 41,000 and change. Um, so again, it is what it is. As volatility comes down, the range should continue to tighten, um, tighten up, and a tightening range is actually quite bullish. Okay, we're going to wrap it up here with a comment from Greg in Portland. All I got to say is respect, and I got to say it before the next 1% drop in my portfolio, portfolio has me doubting. And you know, I love that because that's exactly what happens emotionally, right? And uh, <laughs> honestly, I'm going to give Keith a compliment. But so I, you know, bought. I decided I want to allocate to you know, get my bonus or distribution or whatever. Want to allocate a certain amount to crypto. Okay, cool. So I did that. <clears throat> you know, for me, it's sort of a longer-term holding. But then, you know, immediately after I do that, of course, it starts to sell off. And <laughs> historically, I would have just said, you know, I'm getting out of this, right? You know, it's like because you have those emotions. But you know, you then you have a tool like the risk range on crypto now, so you can say, okay, I'm going to stick to this process. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what happened with crypto. You know, it sort of went hit the low end of the risk range a couple times, but didn't kind of breach it. And um, you know, I think these feelings people have are real. That's why you need a quantitative process around it to sort of Stop yourself out from making bad decisions at inopportune times. So. Yes, stopping yourself out when something changes is really important. And when nothing changes, like the the way you ask the question might change, but it doesn't change the answer. You know, the answer is you buy it at the low end of the range, you sell it at the top end of the range. It's the most basic thing. Like think yeah. about like I, I'm not weaponized with like this super high SAT score. Again, lowest SAT score at Yale. How I got in, I don't know. I think I know. But the reality is that you know I have relegated myself to the point of 
my thinking about anything beyond what the machine's telling me to think, the numbers, is a really dangerous thing. Like, it's really bad. Like, if I were, if I were influenced by one of my analysts to short one of their higher short interest ideas, yeah, that could have been a big reputational problem because then I would have been sitting here with like 25, 50, 80% stopouts on, on shorts. You know, like, instead, no, because I let the machine tell me what to do. So I'd encourage you, don't forget, Jonesy Buds and I are just you know, two Canadian you know, brawlers who are just trying to communicate, trying to be better coaches, trying to help you do better. The, the North Star that we provided with the quads and the signals, those two things, the signals leading the quads, doesn't exist anywhere else, okay? So I'd encourage you to encourage the people that don't uh, have a process, that are speculating, gambling, whatever, to just get one. They've made a shitload of money. They've earned the opportunity. All right, give them a chance. Give them a chance. This is America, right? People can come up. There are a lot of people in this world that would love to make more and more money by learning how to do it like a pro does instead of whining like a baby does. Okay, so let's do that this weekend. Thanks for listening to our podcast. As a reminder, new Hedgeye subscribers may qualify for a special discount on one of our Hedgeye investing products. Email customer service director Matt Moran at mmoran at hedgeye.com. That's M-M-O-R-A-N at hedgeye.com. This content is for informational purposes and does not constitute an offer to sell or buy any investment vehicle, nor does it constitute an investment recommendation or legal, tax, accounting, or investment advice. This information is presented without regard for individual investment preferences or risk parameters and is general, non-tailored, non-specific information. Hedgeye believes the information sources to be reliable but is not responsible for errors, inaccuracies, or omissions. The opinions expressed are those of the individual speaking. All investments entail a certain degree of risk and financial instrument prices can fluctuate based on several factors, including those not considered in the preparation of the content. Consult your financial professional before investing. The information is protected by copyright laws and is intended solely for the use of its authorized recipient provided access by Hedgeye. Redistribution or republication is strictly prohibited and subject to the terms of service at Hedgeye.com.